So thank you very much for speaking to me. Um, we'll kick off with a question from accounting web reader Running Mate, who asks, um, what do you consider to be the key economic or business risks of staying in the EU? Okay, well, um, if we stay in the European Union, clearly we won't be taking back control. In fact, on the contrary, the future within the European Union is very uncertain and very risky. First of all, the former governor of the Bank of England, Lord King, has already said in the book, devoted the whole chapter to the fact that the Eurozone was likely to explode. Mm. And I got a very distinct impression from what he was saying, you wouldn't want to be in the same room when it goes off. Uh, so actually, being in the European Union when that happens is not good for the UK. And we already, they already have form on this, of course, because the EU actually made us pay for part of the bailout of Greece, even though they had actually said that we wouldn't need to do that. Secondly, of course, the Eurozone will make all the decisions. Britain has 12% of the voting rights at council within the European Union, and only 6% at commission level. We haven't got a seat at the top table because the decisions will be made in the Eurozone. The Eurozone will increasingly look like a state, a single state. The only two countries that have said that they won't join the Eurozone are Denmark and the UK. We'll be on the margins, we'll be paying the cost uh, directly, we'll be taking on board the regulations, which is a, a massive indirect cost to the UK uh, business community, uh, and uh, we will have uh, no independence to act in order to mitigate that. So we can't make our own trade deals, and we can't remove the cost burden from the vast majority of our own economy and make ourselves more productive as mm. Mm. Um, on that trade deal note, um, Accountant Cole um, commented that there seems to be an unrealistic view from the Leave campaign that we can have free trade without having to pay, without the red tape and without free movement of people. So they would like to know what free trade structure you think we can achieve, uh, okay. what sort of deal we can realistically get. Okay. Well, I mean, fundamentally, there's a fundamental misconception about what trade is all about. I, you know, I've been in business all my life. Businesses trade and people trade, not governments. Governments just get in the way. The vast majority of trade in the world takes place without any free trade arrangements other than the World Trade Organization rules. So all the exports of China sends to the European Union and the UK is actually without any trade deal whatsoever. And yet they send billions of pounds worth of stuff to us. We actually have a trade surplus with the United States in services, which is nearly twice as big as the trade surplus we have with the EU in services, which is the biggest part of our economy, of course. And yet we have no trade arrangement with the United States at all. Mm. But we're supposed to have a trade deal with Europe. But we do much better with the US. So there's a fallacy around the, the whole business of a need for trade deal to trade, and the, the, the single market, which is the biggest fallacy of all, provides marginal benefit for the UK. The Civitas report, which was independently done, uh, which was published about two months ago, indicated that the least beneficiary of the single market has been the UK. The biggest beneficiaries have actually been not even European countries at all. It's been the United States and Japan and others of that nature whose corporates have been able to use that structure to uh, do their business. Uh, the fact of the matter is that the single market has been very bad for the UK, actually, 
is dragged our economy down. The single market itself is a customs union. Customs unions are inherently protectionist because of the external uh, tariffs. They're also, of course, um, the single market is also, of course, not designed for us. It's designed for French agriculture and German manufactured goods. So the services part of the single market is incomplete. In fact, it's hardly existent at all other than the wholesale banking. And there's no appetite in the EU, as I've been told this directly by both trade and uh, internal market commissioners, there's no appetite whatsoever to create single market in services. So we've got a situation where actually the UK effectively is prejudiced in that uh, relationship. Um, there's only 6% of UK businesses and 13.3% of UK GDP has any relationship with the EU at all. 87% of our economy is domestic or exports to the rest of the world. And the whole of the economy is burdened by the £125 billion cost of EU regulation and the £350 million a week contribution we make. Of course, we get half of that back, but the half we get back, the rest said 350 Half of which we get back is top slice for admin, wrapped up in red tape and directed towards projects that might not want to do in the first place. Mm. Um, yeah, so just leading on from that previous question, uh, one of our more enthusiastic Leave supporters, uh, Shirley M, um, uh, she commented that personally she thinks Michael Gove had it right when he said that we won't need the EFTA or the EEA. Um, smaller countries than us have uh, free trade agreements without tariffs or EU legislation and without freedom of movement of people. So she was just interested to hear your view on that. Well, the, the, the balance of benefit and risk for us is that actually the UK economy will do much better even if we don't have any access to the single market because the cost of the single market outweigh the benefits by quite considerably uh, and we will be able to trade anyway. But the truth of the matter is, of course, that we will get access to the single market because we have a huge trade deficit with the EU and some of the most important countries in Europe depend on us for their exports. We are Germany's number one export market ahead of the United States and China in many years over the last decade. Uh, they are not going to erect trade barriers that prejudice their own industry. So it's a question from, uh, well, two of our users, uh, Running Mates and D Griffin. Um, they say, we hear a lot of facts from both sides, but in truth, does anyone have any facts about the UK's economic or business position in five or ten years from now? Uh, regardless of whether we vote in or out. And Dee Griffin added that the truth is the Chancellor and the Treasury haven't got a single forecast right in years, not even three months in advance, let alone 10 years. So, I mean, how can we, how can we predict what will happen in the next yeah. few years? Well, that's absolutely true, of course. The Treasury, uh, the Bank of England, have been pretty poor at forecasting, not as poor as the IMF, mind mm. you, who've been appalling. Uh, so the idea that they can forecast several years ahead is, is, is laughable, frankly. Um, the, the way I look at it is this, very simply. We live in a, a very uncertain world with a lot of stuff going on. The global debt's nearly two and a half times global GDP. Unless we're borrowing it from Martians, that's quite a, a difficult place for the globe to be in. There's all sorts of things can happen. Business deals with uncertainty every day of the week. The fact of the matter is, business is very good at dealing with uncertainty. 
the issues around change, and a lot of big corporates don't like change because they like to get to the end of the year dividend, executive bonuses, and all that sort of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, if you're dealing with all that uncertainty uh, that is taking place in the world, the, the very best security you can have is to actually have control of your own affairs and your own economy, because then you can react to it. The very worst situation you can be in is to have given up that control to somebody else, especially somebody else whose economy doesn't look like your own. And the Eurozone, who will make all these decisions within the EU, have an economy that doesn't look like ours, have a, a banking system that's parlous, that's within, that's not deleveraged in the way the Americans and the British have, that's very risky. And um, we won't be able to actually have the room to manoeuvre if we don't take back control of our own affairs. And we'll also be able to build in some additional safeguards for us because we'll be able to make our own trade deals with countries around the world, which the EU has failed to do. You know, Iceland, Norway and Switzerland and uh, Chile, for that matter, have trade deals with countries around the world whose economies add up to a much bigger amount than the EU currently has trade deals with itself, naturally, because trying to get a trade deal for 28 countries with feta cheese and tomatoes and BMWs and uh, mobile phones is actually like boiling the ocean. Whereas Australia has been able to make trade deals around the world in just over 12 months with some very significant economies like China, for example. Uh, so we can build the safeguards and then we can be flexible if we have control of our own economy. If we give up control, that's the riskiest thing to do. And the fact that the, none of the forecasts get the future right and they don't have any accurate crystal ball is even more powerful argument for having control and flexibility. Mm. And uh, you mentioned big business uh, back there. Have you found in your dealings that small businesses have been a little more um, pro-leaving the EU? Or is this, uh, yeah. is this a sort of myth of big versus small business? I know there's some truth in it. I mean, certainly entrepreneurs and medium and small-sized businesses are much more keen on uh, having control of their own affairs and flexibility because actually the European Union uh, works very well for big business. They like complexity. It's a barrier to entry to competitors. They like to be able to lobby the EU to bend the rules to suit their own affairs. They like to be able to move tax around to avoid tax paying, etc., uh, etc., but actually, the breakdown of figures of who supports and who doesn't is very interesting because the British Chambers of Commerce, my old firm, did a very big European survey, which was published only uh, about 10 days, two weeks ago. Uh, and if you actually look and analyze the figures they produced, what, some very interesting figures, and there's been a big change since the beginning of the year. And what it shows is the only group that actually is in favour by a majority of staying in the European Union are those companies that only export to Europe. Those companies of all sizes that only operate in the domestic economy, the majority of them want to leave. And those companies of all sizes that only export outside of the EU, also the majority want to leave. If you put those two groups together, that's 87% of the UK economy. So, yeah. Um most polls and uh, bookies have still got Remain as uh, slight favourites. Are you feeling confident that the Leave campaign can turn things around? Well, it, the, the 
Opinion polls are coming in in both directions, and the, the opinion pollsters haven't got a clue what to do about it because they're getting completely different results from the telephone polls, from the online polls. Uh, so one set are saying we're winning, and the other set are saying the other guys are winning. The fact of the matter is that um, at the end of the day, it's the British people who decide. Uh, who knows what the decision will be? Um, I'm pretty confident from the work that's going on on the ground, particularly outside the M25, because the metropolitan bubble tend to believe their own propaganda, you know, or as we used to say in business, smoke their own dope. And the, the fact of the matter is that, um, you know, that what's going on in the regions where we have lots of business people actively campaigning and doing debates and speaking to people is that when they, people get the facts, when the business community we're speaking to get the facts, they change their minds. So a lot of our people in the regions will go into debates with hundreds of people there from the business community. The vote that's taken at the beginning of the debate shows that the remain people are ahead. And then by the time they've had the debate, it's switched around and actually the majority want to leave. Uh, because it, it's giving people confidence that actually this disaster propaganda that the government's been peddling is wrong. Mm. And uh, just a final question from uh, one of our regular users, Tim Vane. Uh, he'd like to know who you voted for in the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, gosh, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, John Lowe, thank you so much for your time. Okay, no problem.